0: Well, please turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke, chapter one. And this morning we shall be reading verses 26 to 38. Started last week, just a very short series in the first couple of chapters of Luke and in the run up to Christmas. Probably at some point next year I'll resume our series in Luke. And so this evening, Peter uh, will be preaching on the next section from chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 38. Let us hear the word of the Lord. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. One danger that we face as Christians is that uh, we can become, I think, so familiar with certain passages of the Bible that we End up failing to appreciate the the sheer wonder of them, and it, it seems to me that the passage before us this morning that I've just read might well be one such passage. But most of you here will be very familiar with with the account that it gives of uh, the angel Gabriel uh, coming to this this young woman, this Virgin Mary, uh, coming to her in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. You'll know, you'll have heard many times the account of um, the angel saying to Mary, there's no need to be afraid, though I am this great and mighty angel. There's no need to be afraid because... I bring you good news. I bring you the good news that although you are a virgin due to be married to a man called Joseph, you are going to give birth to a baby boy and you are going to call him Jesus. It's a wonderful passage. It records uh, the promise of something truly miraculous. And, And you are, you're very familiar with it, aren't you? Most of you anyway, you've You've no doubt read it many times and probably pre- heard sermons uh, being preached on it many times as well. But might it be, might it be that as a result, you're actually no longer struck by the wonder of the message that it contains? Perhaps because you are so familiar with it and with the wonderful things that it records perhaps you you struggle to see and and to feel just how how wonderful it is and if that is the case with you then then i hope this morning that with the the help of the spirit you might a- again uh, begin to appreciate some of the the wonder of this passage and i hope that as a result of beginning to appreciate again some of the wonder of this passage you might wonder afresh at the God that this passage is really all about. And to that end, I I want you to see two main things, two wonderful things that the angel announces to Mary here. The first of which is this, the the wonder of who Mary's son will be. The wonder of who Mary's son will be. Now, having told Mary that she's going to have a have a son whom she is to call Jesus, the angel goes on to tell her who her boy will be. We see that in verses 32 and 33. Just look at those verses with me. There he says to Mary that her son Jesus will be great and will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob Forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. Who is Mary's baby boy going to be? What does the angel tell her about her son here? He, he tells her that her baby boy is going to be a king. And not just a king, but a great king. And not just a great king, but the greatest king that the world will ever see. That is the, the essence of what the angel promises mary here he promises her that she is going to give birth to god's great king to that king who will rule over all things whose kingdom will have no ends she is going to give birth to that king that god had promised he would one day send to rule over his people roughly a thousand years earlier god had had made a covenant with david israel's great king you can read about it in 2 Samuel chapter 7. And there God had, had said to David, his servant, his king, David, I am going to give you a son who is going to sit on your throne and I am going to establish his kingdom. I promise that to you. I'm going to raise up for you and for your house a glorious king, a glorious king who is going to rule over all of my people, the house of Jacob, and rule over them forever. That was what God covenanted with David, promised to David. And this, this was a promise that was then repeated in other Old Testament scriptures, such as Psalm 89, which we sang at the start of our service, and also in Isaiah chapter nine. And, and for about a thousand years, God's people had been waiting and hoping for the fulfillment of this glorious promise of a king who would reign forever. And during that long period, their their hopes had been disappointed on so many occasions. Think of Solomon, David's immediate son. He started so well, didn't he? And yet ended pretty badly. And then after him, you had a long line of kings in both Israel, the northern kingdom, and also in Judah, the southern kingdom. And some of those kings were, were good and godly and righteous, but most of them definitely weren't. And it was so very clear that none of those kings, none of them was the promised Messiah. And then, in, in what must have felt like a terminal blow to Israel's great hope for a a son of David, a Davidic king who would rule over them forever in a terminal blow to that hope. God's people around about the year 600 were exiled. And since that time, they, they, they have not really had a king of their own. They'd been ruled over by, by other kingdoms, by kingdoms and empires that were far bigger and stronger and mightier than they were, ruled over by Babylon, by Persia. And now, at this particular time, when the angel appears to Mary, God's people are ruled over by Rome, that that mighty empire. And that mighty Roman empire had given to this rather little, somewhat pathetic nation of Judea, a puppet king called Herod. And, and in that context, you can... You can well imagine God's people, God's faithful people, asking and wondering, where is this this Davidic king? Where is he? Where is this king that, that God promised and swore to give to us? Is he ever going to come? They've been waiting. They've been hoping for so long, seemingly to no avail until now. And now, finally, the waiting is over. Now, finally, the hopes of all of those long years are going to be fulfilled because now this heavenly messenger Gabriel comes to Mary, this young virgin. And he says to her, you are going to give birth to God's great king. You are going to give birth to the son that God promised long ago who would sit on David's throne and reign over the house of Jacob forever. You're going to give birth to him. You'll give birth to the king whose kingdom is never going to end. The kingdom of Babylon ended. The kingdom of Persia ended. Rome one day will come to an end. But this kingdom that your son is going to reign over, that will last forever. You're going to give birth to this promised son of David. It is a wonderful announcement. It is glorious news that the angel gives here to Mary. The promised son of David is at last about to be born. Finally, he is here. And and what makes it even more wonderful is the fact that, that Jesus, Mary's son, is also the son of the Most High. Did you notice that that's the first, the first thing that the angel calls Jesus? He says to Mary, don't be afraid for you have found favor with God. You will conceive in your womb and bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. This son of Mary, this son of David is also more fundamentally The son of God. That's what it means to be called the son of the most high. The most high is God in all of his glory and in all of his power. And that's who this baby boy is. To whom Mary will give birth. And what this means is that Jesus, as the son of the most high, will reign as God's promised king. With absolute power, and also an absolute love, and He will do so for all time. And so, doesn't what the angel announces to Mary here, doesn't doesn't what He He says here to Mary, encourage you today, brothers and sisters? This isn't wasn't just a promise for then it's a it's a promise for all time he will reign forever doesn't what the angel says here to to mary fill you with with wonder and with joy after all think of all of the other human leaders human kings human rulers that there have been throughout history those human rulers and leaders that you yourselves know now today so often they let you down don't they they let you down. Whether it's political leaders, whether it's your boss at work, whether it's elders in the church. Human rulers so often let you down. They disappoint you. They fail you. And sometimes they might even be harsh and cruel towards you. But not, not this king. Not this leader, not this ruler, Jesus. Jesus will, will never, never let you down. Jesus will never disappoint you. Jesus will never fail you. And he will certainly, certainly never be cruel or harsh towards you. Jesus is your perfect king. He is the king who rules over you in absolute power. Nothing is too difficult for him. He gives you strength and help. He protects you and defends you from all of your foes. And he rules over you in absolute love. He does everything for your good, for your eternal good. This is the king that you have. The king that was promised to Mary. The king that has been given to you. Isn't it wonderful to have such a king? Isn't it wonderful to belong to Jesus and to his everlasting kingdom and so we see in the first place the wonder the sheer wonder of who uh, the son of mary will be but then secondly we also see the wonder of of how mary's son will come to be mary has heard that she's going to give birth to the son of David to the son of the most high who will rule and reign forever. But, but then she asks in verse 34, how? How will this be since I'm a virgin? Mary knows full well how the, the process of conception works. Mary is a faithful and a, and a godly believer. And so she as, as an unmarried young Woman is, is a virgin. How then, she wonders, how, how will I give birth to God's promised king as a virgin? It's impossible, isn't it? And in response to Mary's genuine perplexity, her question of genuine, sincere perplexity, Gabriel, Gabriel gives voice to what is the most profound mystery. In the history of the world, he says to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy, the son of God. Here, Gabriel says to Mary, this staggering truth. He says, Mary, you're you're not going to uh, conceive your child by natural means. That's the way every single other child in the history of the world is. It's conceived, it comes into existence. Of course it is, but, but not with your child, who is so special, who is utterly unique. You're not going to conceive your child by natural means, but by supernatural means. Not, not by the will of a man, but by the will and the power and the sovereign work of the Holy Spirit himself. It is by his power that an embryo is going to be formed in your womb. That is the, the, the staggering truth, the wonderful truth that, that the angel announces here to Mary. And he gives voice, of course, to the, the glorious mystery of the incarnation, the mystery of, of the son of God, the son of the most high, humbling himself, coming down to our level, taking to himself a true human nature, a true human body and a true Human soul. Human flesh that was. That was that was wonderfully. And fearfully. And tenderly. And beautifully created. For him. By the work of the Holy Spirit. By the direct sovereign. Powerful work. Of the Holy Spirit. And it's. Worth noting, I think, that this miraculous work of the Spirit is described in, in terms of, of him overshadowing Mary. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. This is significant, I think, because this word is used elsewhere in the Bible to describe God's a personal presence, the very reality of God. It's used in the Bible to describe that, that glorious divine presence, which in particular provides shelter and security and refuge and salvation for those who, who dwell underneath it. It's used, for example, at the end of the book of Exodus where, where we're told that the, the cloud of God's gl- glory settled on or overshadowed the tabernacle. God's glory came down. It's also used in, in Psalm 91 when the Lord speaks of, of covering or overshadowing his servant, overshadowing him with, with his wings like a bird. So that he will be safe and secure. And although the word isn't exactly the same, we also read about the spirit in Genesis chapter one hovering over the face of the waters, bringing order into chaos, light into darkness at the creation of the world. In other words, by by overshadowing the Virgin Mary, what we're being told here is that the Holy Spirit is bringing the very presence of God, the divine presence into, into Mary's body. He's creating in Mary's womb a body which will, as it were, be a temple for the glory of the Son of God, a body in which the fullness of deity will dwell. This, this was the, the, the intricate and special and wonderful new creation work that the holy spirit carried out when his power came upon and overshadowed mary he he brought to bear in her body the the very presence of god but why did he do this it's wonderful it's a glorious miracle the greatest miracle in the history of the world but But why did he do this? Why did the Spirit overshadow Mary's body so that the Son of God took to himself a supernaturally conceived body? Well, he did it for this reason. He did it so that people like you and me might find shelter and refuge under the glory of the one who was conceived in mary's in mary's womb he did it so that we in other words might might dwell and abide in in jesus's glorious presence this, this is this this is the whole rationale of the incarnation this is why god became man this is why the spirit empowered mary to conceive he did it so that jesus her son would be, according to his human nature, holy and sinless. The holy, sinless God-man. And that is who we need, isn't it? We need God to save us because we cannot save ourselves. We need a man to represent us and to substitute himself for us. And we need that man to be utterly sinless so that he can take our sins to himself and pay for them. And all of this is guaranteed in the incarnation by the mighty work of the Holy Spirit. The sinless God-man is formed here in the womb of the Virgin Mary so that you and every single believer might find shelter and refuge under his glorious presence. It's because, brothers and sisters, the Spirit overshadowed the Virgin Mary that now you have a Savior who forever overshadows you. Who forever overshadows you with his, with his personal presence. Who forever covers you with, with his wings of, of love and mercy. It's because the Holy Spirit overshadowed the womb of the Virgin Mary That, that you now have a savior who, who keeps you safe. Who keeps you eternally safe. Safe from, from sin. From death. And from hell. It, it is, it is truly wonderful. How Mary's son was conceived in her womb by the power of the Holy Spirit. It, It, it staggers our minds. How is this possible? With God nothing is impossible. But it staggers Our minds. And what also staggers our minds and what also makes us wonder is that he did all of this for sinners like us. He did it for our sake and for our salvation. So here in Luke chapter one, we see the angel announcing to Mary that she will give birth to Jesus, God's, God's promised king, the son of David who will rule and reign forever. And we see the angel announcing to Mary that that her son will be conceived in her womb by the the might and power of the Holy Spirit as he overshadows her. It is a most wonderful announcement. Arguably the most wonderful announcement that's, that's ever been made. And what is almost as wonderful is that Mary actually believes it. She actually believes it. Just put yourself in her shoes. She's never seen an angel before. She's a young woman. And then suddenly this angel appears, Gabriel. She's at first full of fear. She's told not to be afraid. And then she's told this remarkable truth that she's going to give birth to the promised son of David. And not only will she give birth to the promised son of David, but... She will conceive him by means of the Holy Spirit. She, a virgin, will conceive the Son of the Most High in her womb. That's what she's been told. That's the word that she has heard. And she believes it. And she's also told about her relative Elizabeth, who has conceived in her old age. That acts as a kind of sign that God truly is able to do whatever He pleases. And it's on the basis of these, these two things really. God's spoken word through His angel and then God's visible word. It's on the basis of these two things that Mary, Mary believes. She believes that truly nothing, nothing is impossible. With God, not even that she should give birth to the incarnate son of God. And so she says in verse 38, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. I believe what you've said. I will do what you have commanded. Mary's faith is wonderful. It's wonderful, especially when you compare her with Zechariah from earlier on in chapter 1, he was a priest in the temple in Jerusalem. Mary, she was a young woman from Nazareth, a nothing place. And yet, while Zechariah doubted, Mary believed. Her faith is remarkable. What accounts for it? How how do we explain Mary's astonishing faith? And ultimately there is only one answer to that question. Mary believed. Why? Because God enabled her to believe. It was by God's grace that Mary had faith. By God's grace that Mary had strong faith. And this is, this is really the final wonder that I want us to note very briefly as we close in our passage this morning. This morning we've seen that the wonder of, uh, of who Mary's son is. We've seen the wonder of, of how he came to be. Of course, lying lying behind these two wonderful truths is, is the deeper wonder of God's wondrous grace. What was it that Gabriel said to Mary when he first came to her? He said, greetings, O favoured one. You have found favour with God. And what he highlights there is that Not because of anything within Mary herself, but purely because of God's free grace and sovereign choice. She will have the honor, the privilege of giving birth to Jesus. Mary is, you see, no kind of semi-divine bearer or dispenser of the grace of God. Not at all. Her faith is remarkable, but she only had that faith by grace. She was a sinner who was saved by grace. She was a grateful recipient of the grace and the favor of God. And in this respect, she is exactly like you. Yes, there's a uniqueness to Mary as the mother of God, we might say. As the mother of the Lord Jesus. But in so many ways, she's just like you. She's a glad recipient of the grace of God. Brothers and sisters, has not God favored you? Isn't that what this passage wonderfully proclaims to you? That God has shown favor and grace to you. How? By, by giving you his son. He didn't have to. He chose to send his son so that he would be the king that would reign over you for your good forever. He graciously gave you his son so that he would shelter you from the wrath that is to come, from the judgment that awaits all those who do not know Christ. He, he graciously sent his spirit upon you, who has worked sovereignly and powerfully in, in your heart, making you a new creation, giving you eternal life. He's given you faith, hasn't he? The faith by which you lay hold Of Jesus and belong to Jesus and belong in His everlasting kingdom. And we could go on and on, couldn't we? God has, has richly favored you. He has poured out His grace upon you. Why? Because He's so wonderful. Because it delights Him to be gracious to sinners. God your Father, brothers and sisters. God your Savior. And God, your comforter, he is the most wonderful God. May we, at this time of the year, wonder afresh at our most wonderful God. And at the wondrous grace that he has shown to us. Amen.